0: what up what up what up everyone welcome to episode 77 of combos court and i am combo big shouts to everyone listening to combos court across the globe the continued support man nothing short of amazing appreciate you all get this done for me Rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Share this episode as well. Share it with your friends. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'll repost it. Today's show, New York City's own and assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, God Sham God joins in. That's right. Sham is here for episode 77 of Combos Court. Had a great conversation with Sham. Think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Follow Sham on Instagram at GodShamGod12. That's G O D S H A M M G O D 12. You know you could follow me on Instagram at One Two Combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Check the website out www.12 combocom Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Got
1: on the Trap. man. Welcome to Combos Court. How you feeling? Uh, man, I'm, good. It's true. I'm good, man. I'm good. So, um, shouts to Jose for making this happen. Actually, Jose was the guy who, um, had me playing in all the tournaments in Harlem back at, way back, actually. And one thing I realized about Harlem was that um, there's just so much talent there, you know, if whether it's basketball, whether it's music, you, everybody could dance. So what, what about Harlem you think breeds so much talent? And, and how was it for you growing up there?
2: I mean, you know, New York is the Mecca. Right. Of, you know, a lot of things, you know, as far as money, fashion, just the whole style element and things like that. So I think, you know, for me growing up, that's that's all I saw. Whether it was whether you was getting in trouble as a kid, whether you was playing basketball, whether you was rapping, you know everything in New York was was always so amplified. Right. So for me as a kid, everything was like amazing. Everything was magical. Whether you know it's the local drug dealer that you see driving the bins, the new the latest cars, having the best jewelry. They always was like wore it the best or always felt they had to be the best whether you was a kid that grew up fighting and you watch boxers you know we had mike tyson we had different people so they always at some point was the best so i think every kid that grew up in new york um the competition of being the best
1: at any means necessary is what breeds that type of stuff yeah so speaking of um being the best Growing up, um, I actually – I had Rafer on the show as well, and I asked him the same question. What do you feel – you know, everybody in New York can handle the basketball. If you grow up here, you know that. Even the dudes that don't even really play ball could handle it, you know. So what do you feel that you did that separated yourself in terms of handling the basketball compared to everybody else in New York? Uh,
2: I don't know. I guess <laughs> I guess dribble the lowest. I don't know. Like, for me, that was like a big thing. Yeah. Like dribbling – you know, basketball and no air and stuff like that, just so I could be low to the ground, things like that. But to me, I I I can't even pinpoint it because that's what, that wasn't what I was shooting for. I just I just wanted to be the best ball handler I could be because when I first started playing basketball, like my first three years, I didn't know the concept of dribbling the basketball, and I used to always just grab the ball and run to the and Everybody used to tease me like, no, you got to dribble, you got to dribble, you got to dribble. So... Because of that, I just became obsessed with learning how to dribble and things like that. So that, that's just what it was for me.
1: Right. Was it something that uh, – w- was there a person that told you something or just something that switched in your brain that says, I just I just really need to learn how to dribble the basketball at an elite level? Well,
2: when I got to junior high school, Tanya Boy was my coach. For anybody who Tanya Boy is, you know, he top 50 greatest players. He's the only point guard ever to lead the league in scoring and assist. Only player that ever lead the league is scoring and assists in the same year, and he always right. told me just like, if you're able to dribble a basketball, you're always going to be important to a team. And I just literally took it to heart. Whether he was just saying that at the time to say it, I just took it to heart and just became obsessed with it.
1: Right. So, the way you worked on your handle, do you take that and use it with the with the guys you work with now in the NBA with the Mavericks or? do you implement some newer training styles and newer things into what you do with with the Mavs?
2: I mean, I do newer things. I do newer things, but I keep it to my concepts. But right. I just, you know, growing up, I always just, I'm always a person that had knowledge of self, so I'm always studying. Okay. You know, growing up, you know, my father was a 5% and things like that. So you always had to learn knowledge yourself, and you always had to learn every inch of what you was trying to do. You know, so, like, if you ever had to talk to somebody or, you know, things like that, you know, you have, you have to be able to explain yourself. You never could just go and do something just to do something when I was growing up. So, I used to always watch film on, like, all the best dribblers and stuff like that. And then, like, man, if I could just learn something, the best thing that they do and just amplify it into my game and make it my way, then, you know, evidently you know, I'd be able to dribble. So, you know, through all that process, I just learned how to um, make the people that I'm developing, you know, make them the best dribble in in what they're trying to do. Not dribble like me, but dribble like them, but just amplify what they're doing.
1: You know, LaSalle Academy, um, you had a great high school team. Then you played in one of the greatest McDonald's American games of all time. You know, Mm -hmm. some of the top talent. Can you name some of those guys that you were playing with and what it was like to play in that game? Uh, Kevin
2: Garnett, Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, Stephon Marbury, Crazy. Ron Mercer, um, Antoine Jameson, God bless the dead, Robert Track the Trailer,
1: rest in peace.
2: Uh, Jelani McCoy, Sharif Abdul Rahim, Wayne Turner, Chris Clack. What people don't understand about that class is like that's why I would always say it would be arguably the best class ever because, right. in that class, uh. 19 out of the 22 players made it to the NBA before their – by their junior year of college. Right. So, and then arguably, you know, even still, like, they're like – the people that was in there are arguably the greatest at what they did at the time. And still now. Definitely. you know, it's like, you know, through that, you know, I always say we had the best class ever. And we had Paul Pierce.
1: Definitely. You know, you went to Providence, had a great – you played two years, right? Yep. What was that experience like going, playing in the tournament? Because, you know, there's a lot of great players, you know, that never even get to get that experience. And after that, what went into t- your decision in, in leaving early to the NBA?
2: Uh, just being crazy, not listening to the right people, listening to people that just came into my life at that time right. and don't know. Me as a person, and then, and I would not say they didn't care for me as a person, they just ain't know me as a person, and then know all the hard work and stuff I put into.
1: Do you feel they had your best interests in heart, or it was more their interests?
2: No, nah, I think it was, it's always gonna be more of their interests if, if, you're, if you're coming into somebody else's thing, whether it's right, wrong, or indifference, it's always gonna be to their best interests, right? You know what I'm saying? It's just like if I hire somebody at a job. Yeah, I'm hiring them, but I'm hiring them for the best interest of me in, my, in the job. Yeah. I'm not hiring them because I just say, hey, is it your best interest for you to work for me. You know? So yeah. I don't even think, I don't look at it like that. I just look at it as whether it was good intentions, bad intentions, whatever. It's just that it comes to a point, and that's what I tell kids today. It comes to a point where you're going to come to a point in your life, especially if you're good at something, where You're going to have certain people in your life that help you navigate through all the storms of you growing up and for one spur for one spur moment you could forget that because the people that you meet at the top is telling you exactly what you want to hear and then you could you could use that as oh they're giving you good advice compared to the people that's telling you the real and it's bad advice uh, so it was like, so for me, it was like, even though, even though like me in sophomore year, yeah, I was hot. Right. And the people that was around me knew I was hot. And, you know, it was like, man, you know, yeah, that's cool. It was like, but you could still stay for one more year and be All-American and be top five in the draft. Right. You know what I'm saying?
1: the people And, that, that's, a, and, that's, the people and that's a guarantee for the league when you go first round.
2: Yeah. And that was yeah. like, the people I met at the time was like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna make it, and this is gonna happen. That's gonna happen, and you like, and you believe so hard, so you're like, yeah, that's gonna happen. So it's more like, it's more like you have to be real with yourself in the moments that you're in. I think a lot of people, you know, if you, even if you look at the drives now and stuff like that, a lot of people, yeah, they believe in themselves, but it's the difference between believing in yourself and being real with yourself in the moment. You know, for me, you know, that was a lesson I had to learn, which I'm thankful that I learned because. For me, that wasn't the path God God wanted me to go or no matter what, I was still would've I still would have had a long career. You know what I'm saying? So the person he wanted me to be is the person I am now. And
1: I'm thankful I'm thankful and so humbly blessed to be the person I am now. You know, you actually did have a long career. A lot of it was yeah. overseas. Yeah. A lot of it was overseas. Um what did you learn about life living overseas? Not really the basketball part, but just because when I played, I know it, it opened my horizons and it let me see other cultures and other kinds of foods. And, and now looking back, it wasn't even the basketball memories. It's like the memories just about learning about different things in life. And now when I come back to New York, I even appreciate New York more. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on on, on how living overseas changed you. It just helped
2: me. It just It just helped me calm down. Right. You know, like coming from New York, everything is such fast-paced, you know, so, you know, I got overseas, you know, I was going, like, to Starbucks, actually sitting in Starbucks.
1: Right, right.
2: Like, reading the book and relaxing or even watching a movie, but in Starbucks. Like, I would actually go to McDonald's and sit in McDonald's and eat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when did, when did the last time you went to McDonald's and sat inside McDonald's and ate?
1: Not a long, long time. I'm trying to
2: say. So, what it, <laughs> helped, what, it, what, it helped, what it did, it helped me relax and help me focus. So, by me focusing, it just like slowed me down. And that's what I'm saying. If I, if I had the same patience and focus I had now that when I was at Providence, then. I, I probably would have made the same decision or I probably would have made a different decision, but I would have knew everything that was coming with my decision. It's like your life, you want to know everything about your decision. You want to know the good, the bad, and the difference. So it's even when I talk to kids, like, you know, they could be gun-ho, like, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, that's what you want to do. Well, know that this is what come with it. See, like, what the agent left out was, when when I was coming out of school, it was like, I you know, me being young and most young kids, you think it's all basketball. Right. But it's not all basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't understand why you go to a team and you're like, okay, I think I'm better than this person, but this person is making five mil a year and this person gots to play. Yeah. So when you go through stuff like that and you're young, what happens is you just catch an attitude. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So you're like just mad, like, man, I should be playing over him. I don't care how much you make or whatever, this and that. That's how you're feeling you feel because you're just going on. This is just basketball. But once you go in the NBA and professional leagues, it's not just basketball no more. It's more than just basketball.
1: Do you get that time now? Because I know the NBA is such a hectic schedule. Do you make sure you get that alone time and that time to sit down and, and read or do whatever you got to do? Or, yeah. sometimes you, or sometimes you find yourself like in the, in the rush and in the hustle and bustle of being in the NBA?
2: No, I always I always take time for myself just to focus on myself. Like, right. Because like like people that seen me for the last four years to now, there's no way I can accomplish all the stuff I did that I'm accomplishing now by not being focused and not taking time to myself and
1: not knowing when to slow down and when to speed up. ABCD camp and um Kobe Bryant, what what was your first impression of him as a person and a player? It's funny because when I first uh when I first met Kobe, I just thought, like, oh, man, this dude is so arrogant. This man.
2: <laughs> like, he think he Michael Jordan and stuff like that. But the one thing we had in common, like, we both really loved basketball. Like, we both was like – like, anybody that know me would say, oh, Sham's a basketball junkie. Whether I was back in the NBA or not, they'd be like, man, Sham is a junkie. Like, I love bas- – I could talk basketball all day. I could train people all day. I just love basketball. I just love being in the gym, you know, and stuff like that. So we had that in common. Then after that, we just, like, hit it off after that. And, you know, after that, you know, just just getting up, showing him dribbling stuff and things like that. Of course, I didn't know he would be who he he was going to be at the end. But I I knew he was going to be great, though, at at basketball.
1: And he definitely gave you your credit and mentioned
2: you. No, he definitely gave me credit, gave me love. Credit yeah. that. Credit that. I wasn't even looking for or thought about. <laughs> right. You know, but right. You
1: didn't even mention it now, and I had to mention it. <laughs> yeah, you know I, what yeah, I mean. I never.
2: Yeah, I never like talk about that stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, look, man. I've been. I was praising uh, Luca even before the draft. I was telling everybody he was going to be the best player in the draft. My listeners are almost sick of uh, me talking about Luca, but um, you know what? He, he's already a great player. So what do you feel, Luca? has to work on to get to that next level.
2: Uh I just I just think you just need to um keep tuning and keep working hard like what he do now with us and study more and things like that because you know next year you know teams will be playing him different and things like that. But one thing about Luca, Luca loves basketball and he just yeah. loves to play. So when you meet people that just love to play, they have no choice but to get better. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because he's fearless, you know. He got the ick factor, you know. And he's a star, like, from day one, you know. Right. Yeah, the, you know, the Mavs and, and us, and we helped him with stuff and things like that. But make no mistake, from day one, he came with the package. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, and we we just going to continue to keep helping him grow and stuff like that. But, I mean, he, he the goods all the way through, all the way around. That's that. He came from over there with being the goods.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why it must be, you know, I know you do uh, player development um, right on Lennox Avenue, you know. And when you got kids, they, yeah. they have so much to improve on. But with a player like him, it's kind of like, is it difficult to find things to improve on with them? No, nah, because, I mean, we got to think.
2: The way he came, of course. So next year, defense will be different.
1: Right, so right.
2: He, so then he would have to make reads different. He would be guarded different. He would have to go into different stuff and things like that. And that's the stuff where we come in and we can help him out. Like even, even this year, you know, you saw his maturation from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Like far as most definitely, you know, his turnovers went down. He started to know who players are, certain things like that. You know, and that's all oh, that all comes from from our side. You know what I'm saying. But far as the talent and all that, that's, that's all. That's his side.
1: Right. And uh, Luke is a great mind. And speaking of great minds, you have uh, Mark Cuban, you know, running the whole – he's the owner. Have yeah. you learned anything from, from Mark Cuban that you could share?
2: Yeah, I just learned to go with your gut and get all the information you possibly could get before you make decisions, you know. And I think Mark is the best, you know, owner in the business – because he's so hands on. So I just you know, I just I mean, for me I'm you know, I just love I just love MC. Like Mark Hume's you know he I mean for me he's the best, you know. I mean you gotta think like, you know, he's the first owner that gave somebody a chance that was on a borderline of both, which is what I'm saying, which is me. Like, you know, he gave me a chance to show, you know, what other, what people knew, but wasn't on that platform as far as developing things like that. And, you know, and before that, you know, owners wasn't taking risks on people that wasn't right now involved or played like 20 years in the NBA. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I make it, I make it, he, you know, he helped, he helped me make it possible for people that come from where I come from or People that come from a different style of basketball and things like that that have an impact on the NBA, not just playing wise.
1: So he obviously doesn't care what everybody else is doing. He's going to do what he does and make his decisions. And then what happened
2: is now that he made that decision, now, you know, now other teams is like, wait, maybe we do need to think
1: out the box. It's definitely a copycat league.
2: But it's like, but it's like, yo, maybe we do need to think out the box to help the player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you know, you want, you want to give players... Because, like, if, you, if you're if doing... If you're having, like, max players and that, you need them to have that flair. You need them to have everything. Box
1: office is so important, too. And just exactly. having a flair is so important.
2: Exactly. You got to have yeah. the box office. And we and then where you going to get that from? In the hood of America.
1: Right. 100%. So, you know, the league is so guard-oriented now. Do you feel like you would have been a better fit in this style of NBA?
2: Oh, yeah, it would have been. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been great. Now, yeah, but not just me. I think, I think mostly every player in the league now play like they're from New York.
1: Right, a hundred percent. You know, it's funny when when a New York player leaves New York, he he thrives because then he got those guys that aren't New York players around them and kind of fit in roles. Exactly. Really, yeah.
2: Problem is, that's why that's why we talk about in the beginning of the podcast. New York is so ultra competitive. Right that nobody wants to play their role. Exactly. Everybody wants to be the chief. So, like, when you go... So, when you take a New York kid and you put him in other settings, like other states and stuff like that, he's playing with a real center. He's playing with a real forward. He's playing with a real two-guard. When you're in New York, the center is... I think he's the point guard.
1: Yeah. You
2: definitely. Know? The center's dribbling. The wing is dribbling. Everybody's dribbling. So... Everybody's the same. But like you said, out of town, everybody's not the same. Yeah.
1: So, you know. Yeah, I mean, every, I mean, almost every New York kid who's like 16 years old feels like he's the best player in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, 100%. Well, um, Sham, it was great having you here. What's in the future for you, man? Man, I just want whatever God got from
2: me, which I think sky's the limits, because I'm going to keep working hard. I'm gonna keep growing i'm gonna keep growing and knowing the business and things like that and you know like i said i just believe sky's the limit and you know i just want to be here for a long time doing what i'm doing
1: well i believe sky's the limit for you too i really appreciate you being here i learned a lot man appreciate you oh, i appreciate you talk All to right. you soon
0: there it is episode 77 of combos court is in the books big shouts to sham god for joining in we appreciate you combo nation man Let me know how you feel about this episode right on the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Don't forget to share this episode as well. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Share it with your friends. Thank you for listening to episode 77. Be on the lookout for 78. Combo out.